So I don't know. We had some kind of a technical thing here. Our connection chimed out there for a bit. Okay. Not sure what happened. But um, at any rate, it looks like we're back on. Leah, how you doing this morning? Welcome to the Randy Tobler Show, guys. Leah, you doing good? Um, I was until that happened. <laughs> well, the wonders of technology. Welcome into the Randy Tobler Show. You can watch the show and see all of the confusion and the anarchy and chaos when uh, things don't work out. But Leah has it under control because she's always in control, being the maestro of the board and producing the show every week. We do have a big show for you today. There is a overnight uh, another Twitter file dump. This is the third in a uh, installment of, um, I tell you, uh, pulling back the curtains. And uh, it's amazing. The things that came out in this one, ladies and gentlemen, unbelievable. My numbers are 314-912-1019 if you want to call and uh engage and become a part of the show. Uh, we had Kristen Cinema pulling out of the Democrat Party this week. We had Supreme Court arguments on the uh, web designer not wanting to design for gay marriage. Of course, the Twitter files will cover volumes two and three. Last Saturday, we covered volume one. And over and over, it is becoming a, a, just a, a dumpster fire as to what was being told to Congress, to uh, reporters by Jack Dorsey. And on the other hand, what was happening behind the scenes at Twitter, where 99 percent of the voters uh, of the uh, workers are uh, Democrat uh, contributors, uh, devotees, voters, etc. cetera. Uh, tons to talk about and a big show on the guest list as well. Uh, May Mailman will talk uh, with us a little bit later in uh, the 425, uh, the 625 slot. Um, we have, um, uh, she's from Independent Women's for, uh, uh, Voice, of course. Nick Shore, the newly elected senator from uh, St. Charles area, of course, uh, State Senator Nick Shore. You hear him here on News Talk STL all the time. He'll be joining us at the 7 o'clock slot. And Virginia Cruda with our regular weekly hit at 745. Don't miss 806. Remember those frontline doctors and that doctor from over across the ocean, uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel, who was an advocate of hydroxychloroquine, made quite a splash. Uh, she is, uh, I think, going to join us. Is that right, Leah? Did she confirm? Uh, yes. Good, good deal. And uh, talking about the drug shortage, uh, amoxicillin and other antibiotics in shortage because the triple demic, as it's being called, RSV, COVID, influenza hitting area hospitals nationally and in the area. Big, big deal. I mean, a lot of uh, people are struggling trying to find uh, beds in their hospitals to place patients. Um, administrators, doctors, nurses, everyone's scrambling to try to find 
uh, care not only for people with respiratory illnesses, but of course, then, you know, regular problems that happen, appendicitis, uh, pancreatitis, you name it, uh, worsening of uh, chronic uh, lung disease with, with or without infection. It's a time of year for hospitalizations anyway. Uh, with uh, Stella Emanuel about that. And uh, and then Paul Kaminar to talk about uh, cybersecurity, about, oh, some other fascinating things that I hadn't heard about in terms of this guy is, uh, is a real muckraker when it comes to a lot of legal issues. So we'll talk with him at 825. Um, and um, topics galore all morning. I, uh, I hope Gene calls our respiratory therapy friend and uh, get a little live update as to what's going on in the hospital or hospitals that he's working on, what his friends in his realm are telling him, because it is, uh, it, it's really a problem. If you hadn't, Leah, have you had your flu vaccine? Have you had your influenza vaccine? I, I have not. Oh, Leah, what are you, what are we going to do? I, I talk and I talk and I talk and I just can't influence Leah to get that vaccine. It's not the same as the mRNA vaccines, for those of you who are afraid of that. Um, it's been around for 60 years. Very, very good. And at least it'll eliminate <clears throat> one of the threats. You can't eliminate RSV, which usually in adults just manifests as a cold. But in uh, in kids, especially kids under five, it can be dramatic and devastating. Um, but we are going to see patients. I've already heard reports of folks that have both influenza and COVID. That can be a deadly combination. So at least uh, maybe consider going for one, if not both of those vaccines. And if you're in a high risk group, I advise my mom to get it. She just turned 88 the other day, had her get the influenza vaccine, not both at the same time, though it's said you can do that. I uh, I told her, wait a few days and then get that updated booster. I think mom missed her first booster. So getting an updated one that is more uh, Omicron um, appropriate, I think, is not a bad idea for folks such as my mom, who's, um, you know, over 60. Uh, and has, if you have other risk factors, not a bad idea to consider it. But of course, Leah, that may turn you into some kind of a zombie with a tail and a third eye if you get the vaccine, uh -huh. right? Is that? Yeah. How do you feel about the vaccines? Go ahead. You can you can let us know. Uh -huh. I think I have an idea. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> but you work on strengthening your immune system, right? Through nutrition and exercise. And Absolutely. So that's good. So you're strengthening your innate immune system, and that's good. Uh, your your non-specific immune system. We have two uh, plat two programs playing on our immune platform a lot of the time. Um, one is sort of that perimeter defense that uh, is against you know we'll we'll basically react against anything, whether it's a splinter in your foot or a or a COVID uh, virus, a SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, and then there's, of course, the more specific immunity, and that's when the immune cells get educated and they start making specific antibodies or specific killer cells that will go after the bad, the offending agent or the cell infected with the offending agent in the case of viruses. Um, so not a bad idea. Now, let's uh, let's get into the Twitter files a little bit. Um, I'm going to turn on my light here because that's not my beautiful countenance is not. How's that, Leah? Is that looking better? Yeah, I think it is. Sure, you looked fine before. Oh, there we go. I don't know. I've, I've got my little ring light going. Isn't uh, that what that what you, you told me to get? Get the ring light? I had to yeah. spend $200 and get yeah. a ring light? No, I didn't spend $200. i am glad you took the glasses yeah. off, though, because there was a glare. So There was a glare. Well, I sometimes I need, early in the morning, sometimes I need my readers, but I don't need them yeah. anymore. Um, <clears throat> this from... Uh, 
the latest Twitter files dump. Now, this is Matt Taibbi again. Um, here's, here's tweet number 17. During this time, executives were also clearly liaising with federal justice and intelligence, uh, uh, security and intelligence officials. And um, this is this is really something federal uh, enforcement and intelligence agencies about moderation of election related content about moderation of election related content. And uh, he says, while we're still at the start of reviewing these files, um, the we're finding out more about these interactions every day. I mean, this is quite serious where you now have federal officials in the fourth state, the bureaucracy, interacting with people at Twitter, deciding whether or not to um, uh, downregulate the, the distribution of a, of, a, of a tweet. And people reported at the time that their tweets were not being seen by uh, people or they were their uh, engagement had gone down with the various of their postings. Um, here's one about uh, here's one uh, number 21 of Matt Taibbi's multiple tweets last night. This is now volume three of the Twitter files breaking news overnight. Um, says this post about the Hunter Biden laptop, the situation shows that Roth, this is Yoel Roth. He was a guy that is uh, unabashedly in favor of censoring not only met weekly, met weekly with the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. So you had a high level, an upper level executive or, or in the in the mod, content moderation uh, departments there at Twitter, meeting weekly with the FBI and Department of Homeland Security, <clears throat> also with the Director of National Intelligence. Let that sink in a little bit. FBI. Department of Homeland Security, Director of National Intelligence, the office of the Director of National Intelligence, meeting with someone who had control over what people who you would want to stay in contact with, the likes of Don, Dan Bongino um, and others who were whose whose messages were suppressed because of messages that were being sent either overtly or you know either implicitly or explicitly by these various government agencies to people at Twitter. And then, of course, they that was their marching orders. You think that didn't alter the mindset of voters ahead of the 2020 election? We know what happened with the New York Post story on Hunter Biden and how it and the sharing of it was almost immediately squashed. We know how the FBI was talking to Facebook. This is not just a Twitter phenomenon. Although the details of how the Facebook interactions work have not come out. Who knows if they ever will. Maybe uh, Elon Musk will have to buy Facebook as well. But we're seeing just a, a, a subversion of the free speech platform that Twitter was intended to be. Uh, Roth's report to the FBI, DHS, DNI is almost farcical in self-flagellating tone, he says. Um, <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, I'm just catching this now. Examining the entire election enforcement slack, we don't see one reference to moderation requests from the Trump campaign, the Trump White House, or Republicans generally. We looked, says Matt Taibbi. They may exist. We were told they do. However, in the evidence provided by Twitter through the uncloaking by Elon Musk, 
uh, it turns out that they there was no evidence forthcoming, even though they said there was some. In another example, Twitter employees prepare to slap a, quote, mail-in voting is safe warning label <coughs> on a Trump tweet about a postal screw up in Ohio before realizing, quote, the events took place, which meant the tweet was factually true. I mean, this stuff is unbelievable. This is like, this makes Orwell look like an open book. The, the, the Orwell 1984 Big Brother and the suppression and the control of information flow to the people. This is really frightening stuff and it is mind controlling. Now, now, Leah, young Leah. Yes. User of social media. What do you think about social media people leading us to believe, and we have a clip we'll play from Jack Dorsey later in a flashback, assuring us on the one hand that it's an open platform, not vulnerable to bias, unaffected by the the political ideology who he admitted was left-leaning on Twitter, but we eliminate that. This is an open forum. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the fact that, in fact, it was being highly moderated, highly censored, all in the direction of anti-Trump, anti-GOP, anti-conservative, and all in, fa- in, in uh, conversely in favor of uh, Democrat and uh, liberal? What say you? Does that concern you? Uh, definitely. I mean, I thought we already I thought we already knew that. I mean, it was kind of obvious, but it's it's definitely concerning. Because I think free speech is important. Yeah, but it was being, I don't think we had the evidence. There were people that all of a sudden, you know, they would put out a tweet and they found that their engagement very much based on the content and the time and what was going on in the, in the media cycle, you know, people were saying, Hey, what happened? I, I lost, uh, I lost connections. I lost followers. Well, you know, not only that, but now we're seeing that they were labeling things as, you know, then uh, the one with by Trump when he said there were voting, there were problems with mail. I think there were ballots that were sent out to people that were dead or either people didn't get ballots, but there was some and it was proven true. There was it was a mistake. It happens in Ohio. Trump tweeted that out and and they put a banner across it that says, well, no, but, but mail voting is safe. And then later on, when it was true, then they find it isn't. Well, the damage had already been done. And that changed the outcome of that election in 2020. We know it, that between 6 and 16%, depending on who you read, uh, which poll you look at, of Biden voters in the 2020 election said that they would have voted, they would have likely voted differently, or at a minimum, would have considered voting differently if they'd have known about the Hunter Biden laptop story and, um, you know, the, the 10% going to the, going to the big guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, this is abhorrent. And so this lends a bit of credence to the overall the overall thinking of Donald Trump and his statements that the election was was stolen. I would say it was rigged. I think if you want to emphasize, and that's where I think if he's going to continue to beat that drum, it would serve him well to say, look, the circumstances and the mindset of the body politic was clearly manipulated in favor of the Democrat and against me. And that's different than the ballot boxes were being stuffed and there were manufactured votes on on Election Day, which may or may not have happened. But this is a much stronger argument because now we have documentary evidence coming through uh, 
first uh, met, then Barry Weiss, now Matt Taibbi again. And we understand over the weekend there may be more coming out. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to Mae Mailman about what's going on in our world. A few things I want to talk with her about. So uh, back with Mae Mailman on Independent Women's Forum. On the Randy Tobler Show here on a Saturday morning, how's your Christmas shopping coming? We'll be right back. It's fun to talk to Mae Mailman from Independent Women's Law Center at Independent Women's Forum and uh, former senior legal advisor to President Trump. How you doing, Mae? How's the new baby? Uh, she's great. She, We've got grandparent help this weekend for the first time. <laughs> hey, that's good. So I always advise my patients to go out and have a little date and sort of get get your senses about you a few weeks after you have a baby. So that's good. I hope you guys can go out and, and uh, you know, kick back and enjoy yourself. That's, that's nice. Good yeah. to do. Uh, lots going on today on a Friday. I can't believe all the things going on. I mean, the, the week has been very busy. Wanted to start out talking with you about uh, the Supreme Court hearings or well the arguments uh in that case with the web designer and uh sort of like uh, you know jack phillips version 2.0 right um and the web designer and gay marriage and what is your take on the way things went so it was it's funny because i think the wedding website designer here ends up winning so you've got colorado law that says you can't, uh, for public accommodations, whatever that means, you can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. So that obviously means like hotels and restaurants can't turn people away. But this woman says, well, this is my speech. My, I run wedding websites. And so, you know, a hotel, when they give somebody a room, that's not speech. But when I make a website for somebody, that's my speech. And you can't force my speech government. She lost, you know, along the way. But I think she wins in the Supreme Court. But what I also think is that the Supreme Court did not have a good sense of why really she should win because the whole thing was like, well, what if she didn't want to serve black people? What if she had she didn't want to do wedding websites for disabled people? You know, what if what if her speech was bad, even worse than this? What if it wasn't about uh, gay marriage? What if it was something like that most Americans, that all Americans don't agree with? And I don't, uh, you know, Obviously, like that, that should be okay too. You know, if you're a racist or whatever, you've got the First Amendment to protect you. That should be obvious. If you don't have to like the speech, if we live in a free country. You can be a bad person. Um, but I, I didn't see anybody really leaning into that argument at at oral argument. They, oh well, you know, this this isn't bad. This, you know, but uh, I saw a little bit shocked because I think in this country you do have the right to be a bad person and, and that uh, that was not really fleshed out. So I think the wedding website designer wins, but I will be interested to see how they skirt around the but, you know, you can't say really bad things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I thought when I heard, who was it? that Was it Kagan that was asking those questions or Sotomayor? And I thought, boy, that's sort of a 
it's a different story because I mean, a black person, if I, you know, let's say the web designer said, I'm a racist and I wear my Klan hood on the weekends and I don't like black people. And I don't want to. Well, that's a protected person, right? That's a protected class. And I, I think, you know, on the other hand, it, the a gay person is a protected person, but gay marriage is not in, you know, I mean, that's a different entity. You know what I mean? So that's the way I parsed yeah. that. I thought it was an unrelated objection that the justice was raising. Yeah, so there's this, you know, do you disagree with the message or do, do you disagree with the person? Right, and she right. says, yeah, I'll serve yeah. I'll serve gay people all, all day. You want a website for your business? You want sure. a website for this? You want a website for that? That's fine. It's just, yeah. it's gay marriage yes. that I don't agree with. And I think that that is fine but i think you know as one of these hypotheticals is trying to flesh out well what if the the message that you want to send is a racist message so you don't mind taking it was photography you don't mind taking pictures of black people but for a specific scene you want to have like a 19 an early 1900s scene or something with santa yep. and you want it to invoke sort of a, a pre-Civil Rights Act time, can you take that? And for me, it's obviously, yes, look at Hollywood. When we when we look at Hollywood, people are doing scenes all the time and they cast black people or white people or women or tall people or short people or fat people or dwarves or, you know, whatever. So obviously a photographer can pick the race, gender, and so on of the person that they're uh, photographing. But there was also this hesitation. So I think you're right. For today, we're going to be able to get away with message versus person. Um, but uh, eventually, sometimes the message and the person are the same thing. The person mm -hmm. is the message. Mm -hmm. The thing that you're trying to convey is through the person. And that's the that that's the next step. I mean, this would be a good first step. But I I agree with you. I, I like the way you say it. You know, you have you have the right to be a bad person in this country as long as you're not hurting someone physically, right? <laughs> and and I think that's uh, I I don't disagree with you there. And to let the let the marketplace of ideas determine you know how you how you uh, fare in that in that uh, war. Um, right. And no no one would ever get away with having a business that just no, blatantly. Right? So. I mean, it would be ridiculous. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. So the, the, we don't need all of this legal wrangling then. Um, okay, so that's that. Uh, what about the election redistricting law and all of that? That was another big argument that they had this week uh, when they were talking about whether there's an absolute legislature. You know, the state legislature has the right to redistrict, even if that means gerrymandering, and the, and the courts should stay out of it. Now, I'm just a Luddite here in mid-Missouri, Okay. May. I'm not a I'm not a scholar of the legal sense. Frankly, my wife thinks I'm not a scholar in any sense, but that's another issue. Um, when I read the Constitution, it looks pretty clear to me that the state legislatures, you may not like it, but they have the right. And the question here is, does this, does, does the state Supreme Court have the right to overrule that or not? Where 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 do you stand on that? Yeah. So this was a very technical legal nerd argument about what it means to have a state legislature, what it means to have a state constitution, how much power a state can have and so on. And there are some limits, um, obviously about what a legislature, a state legislature can do. So 
for example, if the federal constitution says women can vote, a state legislature can't say women can't vote. So that, even though that has to do with voting and that is, you know, up to the state legislature, there are some limits. Okay. So I think, I think that the case was about what are the proper limits. And so there's this broad view that there can be no limits whatsoever on what a state legislature can do. And the court seemed very unwilling to do that. That said, there might be a more moderate version, which is, I think, what most Americans should agree with, which is that a state court can't just up and force the legislature to do, to to do something completely made up. And that's like kind of like, for me, that's what you sort of saw in Pennsylvania where they said, the state uh, court said, hey, guess what? I think now you have to have voting three days after election day. So you've got this huge a gray area in between of like how much power the state court can have. Very technical argument, very difficult argument, very historical argument. Um, and I think the only thing that we know coming out of the argument is that there are going to be some restraints on the state legislature. Like maybe not a, a, a ton, but there's there's some limits to what they can do. Okay, so and we won't know probably until what June, late May, June, right? On, yeah, this is going to be one of the later ones. Yeah. Um, and I think this is one of those that really splits maybe the sort of Washington establishment lawyers versus kind of the the average person when you w- show them the Constitution and say, hey, should state courts be able to step in? People maybe tend to say, no, like state legislature should be able to make it up. But like the Republicans who are legal nerds, Washington establishment types, been Republicans forever appear on the news. They all seem to agree that uh, that state legislatures cannot do whatever they want. Okay. So, so it should yeah. be relatively unrestricted, but well, it should be relatively less restricted, but not unrestricted. Is that what I'm hearing? Right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. You, you, what I think you heard a lot on the left say, oh, my gosh, the yeah. the conservative <laughs> justices are they're going to blow up everything. Nobody was blowing up anything. Okay. We're going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were getting over the top over just apoplectic over oh. it. And that's not what I heard. I, we have a caller. Do you mind uh, taking a call? Let's do that. Let's, huh? let's do it. Let's yeah. talk to Matt. Matt, you're on with May Mailman. Yes, absolutely. Hello. How, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm great as well. I disagree with you somewhat. On which which topic, Matt? Well, I believe that you do not have a right to be a bad person. Well, we're talking in a legal slash constitutional aspect. I'm not. I don't think. I don't think my God gives me a right to have to be a bad person. But from a constitutional perspective. I am absolutely as well on that same exact topic. Um, I believe that I have a right to say refuse service to somebody who is a bad sir, bad person, and I have the right to judge that. However, just to be a bad person and say, oh, I'm going to refuse your service. That that's not acceptable. 
Okay. Well, are you talking on a moral basis or on a legal? Is that your legal interpretation, ma'am? That is a legal interpretation. I am an Uber driver. Okay. When somebody shows up to my car with, say, for example, five passengers, I have an absolute right to refuse them service. I have four seat belts in my car. Okay. It is illegal for me to take five passengers with four seat belts. Okay, well, that's a logical denial. Okay, go ahead. Bingo, bingo, exactly. But here's the problem that happens. They say, okay, well, just take four of us then. Um, and I go, well, wait a minute. If I take four of you, then you are going to give me a one-star rating on my... Okay, well, I don't, I don't know where you're going here, Matt, uh, but... Well, no, no, here's here's the thing. We we have star ratings. Yeah, okay, I understand, that, but... Yes, they the, the star rating is our absolute... Yeah, I understand. And, and, and I go, okay, no, I'm not going to take five of you. And they go, okay, just take four of us. Okay. And every time that I've done this in my Uber life, now I have 14,000 Uber rides under my belt. Every time I have taken less passengers, I have received a one-star rating. At their request. Okay. But that doesn't make well, you a bad person. Well, no, but... <laughs> But as Uber is concerned, it does. Okay. Well, I don't know how it really relates to what we're talking about. I mean, I... I, well, I it does because, because when I decline service, I have a problem. When I do not decline service, I have a problem. I get put in a situation daily, and this happens daily, I get put in a situation where I am in a lose-lose situation. I can say no, and then you can make a false complaint about me. I can say yes, and I can... And let someone go without a seatbelt. I can lose my my driver's license. Okay. Okay, and I can say no, and you can make a false complaint. And and I have had, this has been the year of false complaints. Okay, I get it. Matt, look, I think you need to have a conversation with Uber so that you can say, hey, the reason I denied service is such and such, and that's why you need to eliminate the one star. Okay, thanks. Guess what? what? I have had that conversation. Okay, well, I think this is a conversation. I've had that conversation, conversation, and they have. I get it. Okay. Yeah, no, they they have okay. denied me that conversation. No, here here's okay. the problem. Yeah, no, well, you, look, you uh, are Matt, Matt, look, I, I, I May is my guest and I appreciate your call, but it didn't really it didn't really address what we were gonna talk about. Okay, May, well we tried. I don't think I understand yeah, how that relates to what what we're talking about. Do you, or am I missing some point there? No, I think I think it doesn't. So private employers, Uber, you know, they they can do whatever they want. They can have star ratings. We're talking about the First Amendment, um, which is applies to government actors. So here we're talking about the state of Colorado. What kind of laws can the state of Colorado have? That's very different from what type of rules, what kind of 
things can Uber do? And in my opinion, employers, if they want to tell you to stand on your head every day yeah, when right. you get to work, they should have the right to do right. that. As long so, as they're, they're not telling you to discriminate against someone in a protected class, right? That's no. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you okay. know, so it's private, what some private yeah. employers can do is, is different. Yeah. So, and he's got, I think he's got a good point though. And, and, and you know, he needs maybe Lyft doesn't do that. Maybe Lyft allows their, uh, their drivers to, to raise a complaint as to, Hey, I want to, I want to dispute that rating, you know? Okay. And then we can have a discussion. Let me ask you about the legality or not of, well, well let me ask you where the Twitter, um, saga could take us. I mean, today, uh, yesterday, Barry Weiss had the second dump after Matt Taibbi had the first dump last Friday of some very damning information about Twitter. I mean, Jack Dorsey testified against Congress that they do not do shadow banning based on political ideology. Well, it comes out that they did. Okay, so at what point is Twitter um, guilty of A, in the first dump, doing uh, donations in kind to the Democratic National Committee? And where is it possible that we could be getting to a point, because now there's some pretty smoking gun evidence of Democrat operatives and even congressmen and women you know, notifying Twitter like, hey, here's a red flag tweet, and then I've got it handled, um, where there's uh, censorship by proxy. Is, is there any legal exposure here that Twitter has? So that's a little bit tough because, uh, you know, many of their lies are just... As, as you and I <laughs> go and and make white lies to the to our you know friends or whatever, oh, I'm busy tonight. You know, that if somebody lies to you just in the normal course, there's nothing you can do about that. So I think a lot of promises that have been made, like Charlie Kirk was saying, I talked to Jack Dorsey, and Jack Dorsey told me that there was no such thing as shadow banning. There's nothing that can be done about that. As far as testimony to Congress, mm -hmm. you know, you can be held in contempt of Congress. Congress can send, no, I mean, this is, we're going on with Dr. Fauci is, is undergoing sort of the same scrutiny. Oh, you said there was no gain of function research. You said this, you said that. But once Congress try, says, you know, there has been a violation here, they send that over to DOJ and DOJ can choose to or not to prosecute. No, yeah, DOJ never prosecutes. I mean, if it's Republicans, I'm sure DOJ would, <laughs> would be interested in that. Right. But right. Uh, they're not going to prosecute Dr. Fauci for his discussion about gain of function research. And they're not going to prosecute Twitter executives. That This is the Biden DOJ. Most DOJs do not prosecute for lying to Congress unless there's been substantial congressional resources. I mean, it, you can imagine some mm -hmm. way that the U.S. has spent billions of dollars doing something because they're wrong. But, wow. you know, uh, this this is going to come down to whether the Biden DOJ thinks that this is worth it. And I think you and I both know where, <laughs> that they're not <laughs> going to. Yeah, um, I think we can assume that. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt. Hey, well, May, thanks for being with me today. I hope we can talk again before Christmas. But if not, have a blessed Christmas. I know it'll be a special one for you. But uh, like to make it a regular thing. So hopefully we talk before then. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. There she is, May Mailman. At May Mailman on Twitter. When we come back, we're going to unpack the Christian cinema off the Democrat platform uh, move today on the Randy Tober Show. Stay there.
So May Mailman and I were talking about um, about things that are going on nationally. And, and another th- story that broke late last week was this Christian cinema changing from Democrat to independent. Now, whether this is just going to be a redo of, you know, version, what now, 3.0, where we have uh, uh, Angus King in Maine, we have um, Bernie Sanders in Vermont, who caucus with the Democrats, run as independents, but they are leftist, far left Democrats. Uh, and well, and, and, and Sanders, a self-avowed socialist. And who knows where Kristen Sinema is going to be? Is she trying to jockey and position herself as a John McCain lookalike, which worked well in Arizona anyway, sort of that maverick? We know from this experience during the bitter infighting and arguments in the Democrat caucus uh, with the build back Biden better boondoggle. (laughs) How else can I alliterate uh, that turned into the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. And she and Manchin stood strong and resisted. Now, she was against nuking the filibuster and eliminating the filibuster so that they could get through anything they wanted in that Democrat, uh, that 50-50 at that time Senate with Kamala Harris being uh, breaking the tie. Um, and of course, with a filibuster, you know, currently taking more than a simple majority. So I don't know where she's going on this. I hope that she will tend towards more moderation and at least make it maybe a 50 and a half to 49 and a half Senate with an occasional, you know, siding against whatever crazy left wing progressive policy. The problem is she's voted with the uh, the Democrats and with Joe Biden 93 percent of the time. So she's pretty much an ardent leftist at this time, because that's the way that party is tacking. It's an interesting play. We'll see. Uh, I think it's a brilliant play. Uh, because uh, after all, I mean, on the, with the legacy of John McCain, wildly popular in Arizona, maybe that is uh, maybe that's her road to reelection. We'll we'll see. Nick Schroer is going to join us at the top of the hour. You hear him here on News Talk STL on Stand and Fight uh, Sunday nights, of course, uh, tomorrow evening, eight to nine, right before this show re-airs and show. Yeah, that'd be a nice Four hours of listening, you know, if you didn't catch all of the show here, um, you can catch it tomorrow. And, of course, the podcast is up uh, later today or tomorrow as well. Um, do we have time, Leah, to play some of that testimony? Yeah, let's do that. We were talking with uh, with May about the, the stark lie now and the stark either unawareness on the part of Jack Dorsey of what was going on by his employees in their censorship their throttling down of anything conservative, anything that questioned uh, election uh, integrity after the election, the Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, comments that were being uh, throttled down, shadow banned. Um, And Jack Dorsey will play a flashback now in a congressional testimony said that, no, this is an open and free platform, this Twitter. We don't use our bias. Take a listen. This is this is damning evidence from a congressional testimony from Jack Dorsey of Twitter. Flashback. I want to start by making something very clear. We don't consider p- political viewpoints, perspectives, or party affiliation in any of our policies or enforcement decisions. Period. Impartiality is our guiding principle. Let me explain why. We believe many people use Twitter as a digital public square. They gather from all around the world to see what's happening and have a conversation about what they see. Twitter cannot rightly serve as a public square 
if it's constructed around the personal opinions of its makers. We believe a key driver of a thriving public square is the fundamental human right of freedom of opinion and expression. Our early and strong defense of open and free exchange has enabled Twitter to be the platform for activists, marginalized communities, whistleblowers, journalists, governments, and the most influential people around the world. Twitter will always default to open and free exchange. A default to free expression left unchecked can generate risks and dangers for people. It's important Twitter distinguishes between people's opinions and their behaviors, and disarms behavior intending to silence another person or adversely interfere with their universal human rights. We build our policies and rules with a principle of impartiality, objective criteria, rather than on the basis of bias, prejudice, or preferring, or preferring the benefit to one person over another for improper reasons. Well, there you go. Jack Dorsey in congressional testimony, lying, absolutely lying. I mean, a lie is a deceptive, a known deceptive statement when you know otherwise. And well, it's possible he didn't know. We have to acknowledge that. Some of the Twitter file releases now and they started last Friday. There was a there was a trove of it uh, Friday and then midweek and again uh, last evening. And admittedly, it could have been that he was just not in control of what was going on at his company at that time. Now, of course, Twitter is he's no longer at Twitter. Um, but uh, another controversy erupted, too, in a, in a dispute between he and Elon Musk over Twitter uh, on the Twitter platform uh, where Elon Musk accused him. He said, look, when I came in, there was no one curating um, child pornography. You, you, you had nothing going on there. It was not prioritized, or if there was, it was minimal. And he said that's, Dorsey said that's not true. So he's sort of playing the the Sam uh, uh, Bankman field uh, deal with crypto. It's like, well, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on, playing the innocent thing. Well, now that just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. I mean, that doesn't work. And I think it's absolutely uh, disgraceful disgraceful that the leader of this company, the founder who founded this on the notion, as he just t stated of con to Congress, and he also stated it on CNN to Brian Stelter. I have that clip, too. We'll play that later. That, you know, oh, no, this is we we know we're biased, but we don't inject that into our decision making. It's only about behavior. Well, what kind of behavior? Only conservative behavior when conservatives have an opinion, when Dan Bongino has an opinion, when Charlie Kirk has an opinion that we throttle it down, we shadow ban it, we suspend their accounts. The sitting president of the United States on was it January 8th, I think, is when that happened after January 6th. It's outrageous. And I think it's a chilling it's a chilling commentary where we are in communications in this country. I am now calling it is high time that Josh Hawley, uh, incoming Senator Eric Schmidt, um, lead some kind of a charge to absolutely regulate Twitter and have oversight over Twitter, Facebook, Google, for that matter, because the Google, <laughs> the Google search engine is the same deal. They modify the content you see based on what their whims are. 
and they can they can modify the opinion of an entire 330 not not all 330 people million people are on it <clears throat> but for a large number of the electorate that can make a difference when you've got such a divided electorate and such a polarized country it's time that we regulate them like the telephone companies my producer leah doesn't even remember when there were wired telephones one ringy-dingy, two ringy-dingies. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but there was a time, and you weren't... The, Ma Bell wasn't listening into you and deciding whether your thoughts about the election and the process of the election was good or not and deciding to turn you, you know, up or not. Well, that'll wrap it up uh, for this uh, hour. We, uh, as we roll along, we'll talk to Nick Schroer next hour on Newstalk STL, 101.9, 94.1. Welcome home. Christmas